You are listening to the Flash F1 podcast with Gil and Mark. Welcome to Flash F1. We're a Canadian podcast delivering Formula One facts and... And Mark, change the beat. I'm going gangster rap. Thank you for listening to Flash F1. Mark and I do it because it's lots of fun. We spit bars on the latest race, hit you with some knowledge up in your face. To all our listeners all over the map, when you hear Flash F1, yell out... If you're a new listener, yes, this is Flash F1, your Formula Fun podcast. I'm Grandmaster Gill, along with my co-host, Mixmaster Mark. Mark? Yeah, so apparently that time machine that's taken us back to 1992 is quite effective. Great introduction, my friend. Yeah, welcome to... uh, Sorry, guys. Welcome Welcome to this post-Spanish Grand Prix podcast and unfortunately the uh the race is nowhere near as interesting as that introduction was. that's why i did it because the race is boring and i figured i'd spice up this podcast and uh give you some uh, gangster rap i love it all right uh, let's uh let's get into it follow us on instagram and twitter search for flash f1 official Listeners, welcome back. Uh, I, I hope you've uh, stopped laughing after that uh, phenomenal introduction from, what was the name? Mixmaster Great? No, uh, Grandmaster Gill and okay. you're Mixmaster Mark. Okay. What happened to Childish Gamboa and MC Hammy? Uh, I know. I, I needed to spice it up a bit for this for this uh, rap intro. Make so. it a little bit more early 90s, I guess. Yep. All right, guys. Appreciate everyone that's listening. Unfortunately, and this is probably the easiest way to uh, kill our listenership, but fortunately, it wasn't a great weekend from a racing perspective. Probably could have been predicted. The Spanish track, the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, doesn't promote a lot of overtaking and a lot of excitement. And I think historically, one of the things that we've seen is typically the racer that qualifies on pole goes on to win the race unless something happens early on. And and not the case here, though. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, that, not at all what happened yeah. <laughs> here. But uh, to kind of take us back through qualifying and practice a little bit, practice kicked off on Friday. Nothing, nothing extremely exciting, a little bit cloudy, a little bit overcast. Despite the heavy upgrades that Racing Point allegedly brought to this event, Stroll ends up in the gravel. He crashes into the wall. His team miraculously manages to get him back for free practice, too. We don't see a lot of other stuff. It's still a little bit cloudy by the time Free Practice 3 comes around. Vettel spins. Bottas ends up beached. Haas looked very, very good throughout practice. Max Verstappen brought a new engine out for Free Practice 3. And I think other than that, we saw Russell grounded or in the gravel trap as well. But again, from a practice perspective, nothing that we haven't already seen, which is a lot of Ferrari Mercedes dominance and Verstappen looking pretty solid splitting the crowd. From a qualifying perspective, and and I'll let you share your thoughts on this one, but Bottas absolutely dominated the field and ultimately set a new track record in the in the process. Your thoughts on qualifying? Yeah, no surprise there. You know, Bottas has been uh, really strong in the qualifying. Him and Hamilton have been like really like battling it out, going for you know the fastest lap and going for a great position for for the race uh, weekend. Hamilton uh, was trying to catch up to Bottas and I think just messed up on the uh, Q3 somehow. Yeah, and 
I bought bought test uh, was what six tenths faster. Six tenths of a second. So when you actually look at the timesheet, he crushed the field and he crushed the the lap record as well. Yeah. So no surprise with either Hamilton or Bottas uh, taking pole or being one and two once again for the fifth time uh, the season. And I think we should be talking about the other team, uh, the other teams like Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, Racing Point, you know, Racing Point talked about, you know, oh, we're delivering something new, a new car, new upgrades. Even Renault was talking about upgrades. Uh, Ferrari and Mercedes were talking about upgrades. And, you know, I, I wanted to see what, what these upgrades did for them for the for the race. And apparently not much. Ab- absolutely. You, you see Sergio Perez, who actually had a phenomenal qualifying and a really great result in Baku. He comes out, he qualifies 15th for the ninth consecutive race. Stroll can't get out of Q1, Q1 which yeah. is terrible. But to kind of run down, Bottas qualifies on pole, Hamilton number two, Vettel three, Verstappen splitting the Ferraris, which seems to be a theme this season, whether it's qualifying or whether it's the race, Um, Leclerc, Gasly in the Red Bull, Grosjean in the Haas, Magnus in the Haas. So the Haas team actually came out pretty well from a practice and a qualifying perspective. We saw Kvyat with Toro Rosso, Ricardo, Norris, Albon, Sainz. Raikkonen and Perez 15 and the bottom five I'm not really going to mention so that's kind of what it looked like but not not a surprise the two dominant teams plus Verstappen qualified at the top yeah so I I found qualifying to be a little bit more exciting than the actual race we wanted to see you know who had the best time best position the race uh, it was what it was you know you want to start talking about the race or is there still more in qualifying there's not a lot there other than the fact that Bottas looks super dominant but ultimately at the end of the day it only buys him a couple of feet on the grid in terms of how far he's positioned ahead of the number two qualifier which in this case was Hamilton so maybe talk us uh, talk us through what we saw this morning on race day oh, how did man. the race kick off put it this way turn one was probably the most exciting part you've got Bottas's pole and then you've got Hamilton with a great start Bottas was saying that his clutch he was having some clutch issues on the start they they go down into turn one they make that turn one and now uh, you've got Vettel on the outside, you've got Hamilton on the inside, you've got Bottas sandwiched in the middle. As they rounded turn one, they started to squeeze in Bottas, and then Vettel uh, locks up on turn one and damages his, I think, right front tire. And as they round turn two, Bottas had to pull back and Vettel had to pull back. And then Hamilton took uh, the first place position with Vettel coming in third. Yeah, Hamilton ultimately, I think by the end of the second lap, third lap, he's got two seconds on Bottas ultimately. But it was an entertaining start because to your point, you have these cars going three a wide going into that first corner, Hamilton, Bottas and Vettel. And anytime you hear a driver saying I was have issue having issues yeah. with my clutch, it's code for I I the start yeah. quite frankly but ultimately he choked up the lead right away um, because of the way that Vettel managed to get positioned it ultimately choked Bottas out of the lead and gave Hamilton this great opportunity to tear away and ultimately once he had the lead he wasn't going to give it up yeah and Vettel went wide after turn one so he all all four wheels were actually off off track yeah. and he was still able to maintain the uh, his third place position but with with Vettel you know should he should have he should have gone into the inside right behind Hamilton that way he wouldn't have gone out wide and I I think what we saw as well and to me and maybe we talk about this a little bit later but Max Verstappen probably the driver of the year so far just doing so much with so little just in relative comparison to Ferrari and Mercedes he manages to get involved very very early on and very quickly we're right back in this position where it's a conversation about 
Ferrari strategy because to your point, Vettel goes so hot into corner one, he ends up locking up, damaging his tires, and he calls it out on the team radio right away that these tires aren't great. So obviously he's losing traction in the corners, but ultimately he's in a position where for four laps, we're waiting for him to give up the position to Leclerc lap eight, lap nine, lap 10, lap 11, lap 12, and he finally- Team orders! Team exactly. orders! Exactly. Finally, finally, he has to give the the lead up to Leclerc, but in no time at all, you've got a position where Hamilton's going to run away with the race unless something crazy happens. You've got Bottas number two. Verstappen seems to split the field and once again takes a podium, and ultimately you have Ferrari four or five. Yeah, we've seen this a few races ago where Ferrari's team orders are really affecting them as a team, as the drivers perform on the track. You've either got Vettel up front with Leclerc feeling he's got a better pace and and wanting to switch positions with Vettel. And then you've got either Leclerc up front with Vettel behind with the the exact same mentality. Yet when they switch, they don't have the pace. They don't, they don't do anything with the position change. Ferrari is still confused. The drivers are confused on the track. The team doesn't know what to do in terms of, Hey, who do we let go first? Do we do team orders? Do we let them just race if we look at mercedes you look at bottas and hamilton the, there's not a lot of team orders mentioned in the race or you yeah. are on the radio they just let them go and hamilton even mentioned that he was going to go full out on this on this first lap right right off right off the light try to get a first place position over bottas they're not competing against each other but they're working well together Th- there weren't any team orders to say hey you know like they almost could have hit each other after turn one, turn two. I agree. My sense is that within the Mercedes organization, the thought is you guys do whatever you want. Just don't make contact. Don't, just don't sacrifice points in, in doing so. And I, I still think that the pressure will ratchet up as the season goes on. The two of them continue to compete for the driver's championship. But at this stage, the, the driver's championship is not necessarily determined, but I think it's pretty clear that ultimately one of the two Mercedes drivers is going to win it. Mercedes is going to win the constructors. And really now the question is, what does the rest of the field look like? Can Red Bull get involved? Can they maybe can they maybe squeeze ahead of the Ferrari team? But you're absolutely right. Like the dominant narrative so far this season through five rounds has been Ferrari and their team strategy. And it's funny because I saw a story and I apologize. It was either on Autosport or Planet F1, but it was very much another team strategy masterclass by Ferrari. And obviously it's kind of tongue in cheek and it's very sarcastic, but once again, it doesn't look doesn't look like they either know what they're doing or that they're not comfortable declaring one driver the primary driver over the other. Yeah, see, I feel a bit differently. I don't normally call it until like after the the, the summer break. Sure. I don't put all, you know, count all my chickens until they're hatched type deal. With Mercedes, yes, they are very dominant right now, but you never know what's going to happen sure. like after the the break. There could be like Hamilton's seen before in the, the second half. Sure. He's had a lot of uh, vehicle issues and uh, uh, performance issues and tire issues. With this, with, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that Mercedes is, is, is dominating right now. I'm, both you and I are, are big Mercedes fans, but I think what we're looking for is a bit more competition. We want Ferrari, we want Red Bull, we want somebody to to kind of challenge them. You know, when a race or two ago, you've got McLaren and and Racing Point in really good positions, and, and then you've got the top teams like Ferrari and Red Bull that just can't seem to match or, or even come close to Mercedes's pace. I, I will credit Red Bull because I think one of the things that we're we're apt to forget is simply because they were really dominant in 2011, 12, 13. They racked up all of those titles. Vettel walked away with four driver's titles with Red Bull. They've been competitive even in the V6 Turbo era. But let's not forget that Red Bull went underwent a pretty transformational change in the offseason. They went from the Renault motor that they'd been running 
since the beginning of time to the Honda motor. And we, we've spoken in the past as well about how toxic a relationship that was with McLaren when McLaren was kind of partnered up with, with Honda, but they're pulling off podiums and they're being competitive relative to the rest of the field with a brand new motor. So again, all the kudos in the world to Max Verstappen because he's stepping out and he's being competitive and he's com- he's consistently splitting the field with Mercedes and Ferrari. And clearly Ferrari from a resource perspective is dominant. They've had the consistency of the same engine since the beginning of this hybrid era. But Max Verstappen walks out there and he's got an engine that until a couple of months ago on this track, he'd never even experienced. So again, kudos to Red Bull because they're making magic happen with a brand new motor. And it's a motor that couldn't work for McLaren. And it's also being relatively compare or relatively competitive for Toro Rosso. So I, I give a lot of credit for Red Bull. And for me, that's maybe the most interesting thing to watch in the field. We will be back in a flash. Any any other remaining thoughts from this race? And we spoke to the fact that this probably isn't a shining example of how exciting the sport can be. The track creates an environment where oftentimes, as we discussed, the driver that qualifies on pole is typically going to be the race winner. Any other thoughts? Yeah, you know what? I want to talk about something that happened later in the race. We're looking at lap 46, where we actually see a real safety car because Stroll and Norris take each other out on turn two, and then they end up shooting up a bunch of gravel up onto the track. So they had to uh, yellow flag it and a real safety car we've been talking about. We've been seeing a lot of virtual safety safety cars cars this year, but not an actual real safety car. So the safety car came out, led all the drivers and the drivers obviously have to reduce their speed. So that's that's a a good point. This leads to a little bit of excitement for when the safety car does leave and where everybody ends up in a certain position after after the leader uh, takes off. The result was Stroll and Norris, they DNF, so they didn't finish the race. And that's what what caused the safety car. Car, yeah, right? and yeah. during that safety car, uh, some of the cars are able to pit. And during uh, that virtual safety car, both Toro Rosso's tried to do a double stack, and the pit <laughs> during the safety car during crazy. the safety car, and they yeah. they they weren't, and the team and the and the pit crew were not prepared. Wow! So that double stack, they they didn't have the tires, were able to position the vehicles and the wheels and properly. That could have hurt them, but it, w- it was a safety car, so it was interesting. Uh, yeah. And kudos to Toro Rosso because they ended up with two cars in the points despite that, but it could possibly have been even better. In terms of that incident, and we were rewatching it a couple times earlier, it was it was really Lando Norse and Lance Stroll fighting for position. Lance Stroll had the position going into a corner. He gets clipped on the wheel by Norris. They both spin into the gravel. Racing incident, was anyone at fault uh, there? Apparently they were supposed to have uh, an investigation after the race. Uh, what it looked like to me was... Was, you know, Stroll cut cut the corner and yeah. the both uh, front and rear wheel touched. Uh, so between. you you think Stroll cut the corner? Yeah. Well, I, I think he cut the corner, but he did have position. He gotcha. was up ahead, Fair. so that's why they're investigating after. It's really hard to say if if Norris was at fault. Yeah. It's probably a high percentage that Norris was at fault. You know, Stroll had position, and if he cut the corner, he's up ahead anyway. So the driver behind should mm-hmm. should have yielded. And at that point, they're back markers anyway, so it's probably just going to be flagged a racing incident. Both teams are going to have to absorb the cost of the car repairs, and we just move on. Yeah. Just just upsetting to see Stroll out. You know, he's had a bad weekend, you know, with a free practice crash and then now, you know, uh, DNFing 
uh, on the race. And you saw comments from the Racing Point team, even on the grid before the race began, that this is not a course that their cars are necessarily built for. And, and maybe that was reactive just to the poor qualifying that they had. Um, and maybe it was more just kind of, hey, look, just cautioning people that this probably isn't going to be a great weekend, but it definitely wasn't because the expectations were so high. And so many of the commentators and the commentary around the sport was like, look, the real Racing Points team starts today. The previous four races, this was Legacy Force India. We're using Legacy parts, Legacy chassis, but now the real Racing Point team starts. They had their brand new, beautiful Racing Point transporter in the pits, but ultimately it was a disappointing weekend. Stroll doesn't get out of Q1. Stroll goes off in free practice one, and whether it's his fault or not, to end up in the gravel towards the end of the race was just kind of a cherry on top of a really bad weekend for uh, Racing Point. Yeah, they did better last race with their old cars. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) You know what? What I want to talk about is Grosjean. Can this guy keep the car on the track or what? <laughs> like, turn two, like, every single time. He, he must have gone off the the runoff on turn two, like, two or three times during this race. And, like, I, I don't know. like. <laughs> so he qualifies well. So he, he qualifies, I, I believe, seventh overall. So it was great. They, he looked good in practice. He looked great in qualifying. But ultimately, he barely hangs on to points and finishes P10. But ultimately, you're right. I, I feel it's more driver error than anything, but ultimately chokes up a bunch of points. Uh, they have the benefit of the virtual car restart, but that doesn't necessarily help. But yeah, disappointing, I would say. I think the last thing that I've got on my list is... Hamilton took the fastest lap. Bottas had fastest lap uh, for majority of the race. Lewis Hamilton ended up taking it at the end of the race. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we get to see what potential value that extra point has in the standings at the end of the season. Ultimately, it may not matter because it seems pretty consistently that Mercedes is the team that's stealing that point. I shouldn't even steal the point. It's on the table and they're just taking it because nobody else wants it. Yeah, but, but between uh, Bottas and Hamilton, it could, that fastest lap, that extra point, point. Could, could be a difference between either Bottas taking championship or, or Hamilton taking the championship. Yeah, great point. It'll be interesting as the season progresses to see that, see how the two of them maneuver on the track because you're right, over the course of 10 races, that could be 10 points and 10 points could easily be the deciding factor between the two of them in the driver's championship. And we talked as well about this Valtteri Bottas 2.0 being a totally different driver. And, and ultimately he's really only under contract this year. And I, I think he's well aware that this may be his one shot in his career to go for a driver's championship, because if he's not back with Mercedes next year, it's unlikely he'll be in a car that can put him in a position to compete effectively. The only other couple things I want to just throw in here, uh, I think I caught on the corner of my eye that Max Verstappen got the driver of the day. For, nice. for, for for this well race. deserved yeah. again once again well deserved driving that car with that honda engine that nobody expected to compete like this and the last thing i'm just going to throw in there is like this spanish grand prix had the ugliest trophy that i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll make sure we post that up on the instagram feed yeah. so everybody can see uh, other than that you know we're we're two weeks away from monaco so I, again it's a very very important race just in the world of motorsports in general uh it's probably one of the more legendary it's a beautiful venue it's not necessarily a track that promotes a lot of overtaking there is a lot of collisions there are a lot of crashes there are a lot of safety cars there's a lot of restarts but again two weeks away from monaco what we're really really excited to announce is that on wednesday of this week we're going to be dropping a very 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 special podcast we had the 
unbelievable opportunity a week ago on Friday to do a live interview with Formula 2 driver Nicholas Latifi. And if you've heard that name, it's not only because he's running away with the championship in Formula 2 this year, but also because he is the 2019 Williams Test slash Reserve Reserve Driver. So we had the opportunity to do a live interview with him, and we're incredibly excited to share that with you. Gail, any thoughts on that interview and the fact that we're going to be able to release it for our listeners? The one thing I'm going to say is that Latifi was such a nice guy. He was very generous with his time. He gave us a lot of information about F2 and F1 environment. Uh, It was a really great interview. Uh, We were recording at like 7 a.m. Pacific time while he was out in London right after the race and uh, preparing for the next race. And it was really good. Yeah, it was crazy because this was right after Baku and he had a phenomenal weekend there. And unfortunately, we don't have the ability to do this, but his subsequent race following the interview was Spain and he had a phenomenal weekend again. And if I look at his results this weekend and I turn the page in my notebook, which you probably just heard, he qualified P2. He was P2 in practice race one he finished first overall which is a phenomenal result a little bit softer result in race two but that race number one win helps keep him ahead of everyone else in the drivers championship in formula two and as we speak to a little bit in that podcast formula two is really the final the final step that drivers take before they enter formula one and he's already his foot's already half there because he has that tie up with Williams and given the Williams season it's very possible that maybe we see him start a formula one race this year but if not he's got put himself in a great position for his team to win a a championship in formula two yeah and hoping with the with the championship for formula two that it leads him to have a a seat for formula one maybe in the future future seasons yeah and if not with williams then any other team because i think we often see a lot of churn with those teams that typically take up the middle of the field but for him to have that potential championship pedigree is really great and i think the most important thing which we failed to mention is that this kid is not only a phenomenal guy he's a phenomenal racer but he's also Canadian I was just gonna say that you took the words right out of my mouth I was waiting for you to pull that out of your pocket yeah pull it out (laughs) of my pocket I don't know why it took so long to to get that one out but and you'll you'll notice it in the interview as well not only his accent but just like his his courtesy and his politeness and when we did the interview wanted to be respectful his time because he actually did it on a day off with us so he'd actually spent Wednesday and Thursday at the Williams facility in Grove a couple hours outside of London so he spent a couple of days at the factory Friday was his off day and he still took the time to interview with us so we were respectable his time but honestly I feel like that interview could have gone on for hours and we only began to scratch the surface of what we could have talked about with him but hopefully again we get the opportunity to speak with him again in the future but great interview and i excited to uh, we're excited to share it with our listeners yeah it was really great and i hope you guys enjoy the interview when we put it out there this coming week awesome uh anything else before we sign off here again wasn't an exciting race we're not gonna we're not gonna try and talk our listeners through the fact that it wasn't but it wasn't exciting any other kind of closing thoughts no uh i think i'm good like you mentioned this race wasn't wasn't that great uh to all our listeners out there to our flashers if you like my rap please leave messages on our social media yeah. if you'd like to hear more or if you want uh, mark no. to start spitting some bars maybe but it won't be early 90s it'll probably be g unit jaw rule era okay okay yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. good okay. That, that, that's where my comfort zone is i'm <laughs> i'm a little younger than you remember okay that's right okay just a, just a little younger perfect no i'm good mark okay cool that's that's all i got so expect to hear this podcast drop well you'll probably listen to it now but yeah. expect to hear the uh, interview podcast drop somewhere around wednesday so please watch out for that one if you haven't already and you're listening to us on itunes please leave us a review give us five stars anything 
helps to promote this podcast and enable us to do it going forward. Um, as we've talked about before, we're currently available on CastBox. We're available on Stitcher. We're available Spotify. on Spotify. We're available on iTunes. We're available on all of the major platforms. If you are a Formula One fan, please share share this podcast with other people and we'll continue to do the same. And the feedback that we've received so far, often quite critical to be totally honest, is stuff that we're able to implement on the fly because we want to make this as good as we can for our listeners. Okay, cool. All right. Peace. Peace. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. You have been a great audience. This is Sarah signing off at Flash F1 with Gil and Mark. (laughs) Pfft. <laughs>